free dropped here, no doubt. Yeah, free drop. Whoa, that thing came out sideways. Drove it into the penalty area. Whoa, yeah. Oh, that was a shank. It's hard to believe watching this. It made an unbelievable bogey in the drop zone. Folks, happy Sunday night. Technically, we've moved into Monday morning. Dylan DeChair here with Sean Zock back in our Augusta, Georgia, technically Martinez, Georgia. Airbnb, we shut down the media center, writing I'm tired. too many words, <laughs> I guess. But we have just enough energy for one zesty podcast. Sean, how are you, other than tired? I'm tired, but uh, happy to be here. I am eating dinner that consists of a payday candy bar. We're going to move on to uh, goldfish soon. Whatever we could scrape up from the lovely media center. At Augusta National. Yep. Um, we had a hell of a day. I am tired because it was a long day. Um, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm had 29 plus holes of golf to play, which means you and I had 29 plus holes of golf to watch. Um, and it, so it was, it was a grind. It was an absolute grind. This whole week was a grind. Um, when you have a, a rain delay, it upsets our sleep schedules. Normally, we like to sleep on Saturday and Sunday morning, sleep in a little bit. Uh, that was not the case. But uh, John Rahm is your master's champ. and um, You sound very enthused about all of this. Well, I'm trying to be because we. I don't think we appreciated in the moment how good of golf John Rahm was playing. He had the bad draw and like sneaky, horrific draw. When he had to play uh, the end of his second round on Saturday morning, when it was absolutely dumping, we saw what that did to Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas shot six over on his last eight holes, blew up, missed the cut when he should have made it comfortably. John Rahm was in that same group. Cam Young was in that same group. John Rahm really didn't backtrack while the other guys in his group did backtrack. That was just a, a, a thing that stood out to me as like, okay, that's a moment this week where John Rahm kind of won his Masters by hanging in there, dealing with the bad draw, and then really not losing form pretty much the rest of the way. I want that to be the beginning of a little game I think we should play for this podcast, Sean. And that game is called Good Week mm-hmm. or Bad Week. All right. I'm going to give you a person – Person, place, or thing, and I want us to break down whether they had a good week or bad week. I think we are going to agree on this first one because the first person up is John Rom. <laughs> yeah, great week, if we can even include that. Um, very, very, very good week. He's a two-time major champ, which is funny. He's 28 years old. It's funny because when he was 25, he was a zero-time major champ. He broke through at Torrey Pines, and everyone was like, okay, Good riddance. It's about damn time. But you also did it on a course that you've won PGA Tour events at. This was his first time winning a major championship on a course he doesn't get to. Uh, I guess he plays it every year, but it, it, it just is different and tougher in every single way than Torrey Pines is. And so this is kind of one of those uh, affirming majors. You know that I have I have a fun little tendency of like stripping majors from guys when mm. they don't feel legit. Yep. Um this uh, totally affirms John Rahm's first major and yeah, it's validated stepping stone, right? Like now you start thinking how many is he going to win? Could he win more this year? You mentioned the tougher draw. It was pretty funny in the press conference after his win. 
someone uh, someone said, uh, you know, look, John, you had perhaps a tougher draw and, you know, still went on to do this. And he was like, perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was a good reminder just how well aware he was that he had the tougher draw, which meant about two and a half shots on field average, which is an insane spread. Yeah, he was well aware. Very few other people thrived from that side of the draw. Uh, John Rom did. It's really satisfying to see someone that is so deserving of a Masters title win a Masters title because, look, it doesn't give you any extra strokes at the start of the week. The fact that John Rom has been the best player in the world the last, what, three years? Yep. Doesn't mean he gets to start at 10 under or anything. But it does mean that at the end of the week, we just leave knowing that there was not a fluke winner. No, this was the opposite well, of a fluke winner. And I think the whole draw conversation has to include Kepka because Kepka was on the good side of the draw. Brooks Kepka was out front and he was playing the 18th hole in a very, very sunny conditions on uh, Friday afternoon. It was warm. The ball was flying. John Rahm played them in 48 degree temperatures. The rain was pissing down. He was playing a long iron in. He thought he hit it great. It only ended up on the front edge of the green. He ends up uh, making bogey on 18. And it's like, gosh, this dude is just getting unlucky. And sometimes unlucky is what costs you a major. And Brooks was getting lucky. And I guess you just wondered, okay, the draw counts for 50% of this tournament. There's only 50% left. You can run out of golf holes. And I thought at various points today in this grind of a day, I thought John Rahm was going to run out of golf holes. He ended up earning back a couple strokes in the morning off of Kepka. You know, they both woke up with a four-shot difference. But it still didn't feel like this was John Rahm's major championship to win until maybe 12 holes were left today. Yeah, I think that's a great call because there were a couple different reasons it felt this way, but partly just because of who was in front. I mean, Brooks Kepka was leading by four when we woke up this morning. So today felt like a referendum on Brooks Kepka first and foremost, right? And it wasn't until he had actually taken over that it became about John Rahm. And ironically, that's kind of how his last major felt too. It was, you know, it was less obvious who the front runner was, but there was just a large cluster of people and John Rahm was just one of them, but he was definitely not the most likely or only person to win um so it wasn't until really he actually did it that we could say whoa he did it this is a big deal well in this case once he took over yeah my god there was no quiver there was no uneasiness down the stretch he was i mean he drove the ball like a stallion all day to use phil mickelson's line he He drove it like a stallion and he choked this tournament out like a serpent yeah i mean scary snake i think that's what um you know his caddy adam hayes was asked after afterwards what makes him such a good closer and that's what he says like look he 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 drive the ball incredibly well and um that's how you choke out masters tournaments when you don't have a miss that is pushing you into the trees when you don't have to get up and down from 80 yards Ultimately, the only trouble he ran into was on 18, and he still made par getting up and down from, I don't know, 80 yards or so. Um, but that when you talk about choking something out, it is hitting every damn fairway, hitting almost every damn green, two putting at the worst and one putting at the best, 
never three putting. Um, the best players make golf look methodical. Colin Morikawa has done that in his major championships. Makes it look simple and easy and robotic. John Rahm is now doing that. And I think, uh, well, Max Homa called him Thanos because he has all the Infinity Stones. This was a week in which he showed he has all of them. I can take everything on. I can take the bad draw. I can take on badass Brooks. Give him the good draw. I don't give a damn. I'm going to be here at the end of 72 holes. Brooks Kepka. Good week, bad week. Good week for sure. Uh, I had a good feeling about him this week. I can't remember if I shared that on the podcast last week, but well, I didn't because uh, we recorded it before Live Orlando. Um, I had a good feeling about him because shooting a bunch of 66s, it doesn't necessarily matter where you shoot them. If you're shooting, if you're shooting 66, you're playing good golf, tee to green. Um, and so that's what he did. Even though Orange County National is not the kind of course that can prep you for Augusta National, he was trending. He has been trending. It's kind of hard when these guys play live events and they don't play as many rounds and they don't play nearly as many events as they might normally. We lose track of them. We don't really know how to grade their form. They're not playing against the best fields. It's really easy to doubt them. And Brooks Kepka had a bit of the last word on that saying, we're the same people. It was a media narrative that we would lose our form. Uh, I think it remains to be seen a little bit, whether it's a media narrative or if there's some of it that is based in reality. But this week, Liv spoke pretty large with a couple different people, Brooks being chief among them. Intermission of the podcast, Josh Burhow, our esteemed coworker, has just texted to ask if you want anything from McDonald's. I'd like you to order on the pod so people kind of know what you're about. Yeah, give me... Um, it's either, I think it's a number six. It's a two, two cheeseburgers meal with fries. Of course. I'm going to do some McNuggets with ketchup. <laughs> Brooks Kepka, kind of a weird fourth round of major guy at he this is, point. He is now. If we zoom out, if we pretend last year's masters didn't happen, if we... Just look at his major performance. It's a little bit strange. Mm -hmm. He wins these four majors. He becomes a closer, a killer. And then, I don't know, man. I mean, today felt a little bit like the 2021 PGA. Mm -hmm. It had the effect also of snapping me back into like the big picture of what we do. We do so much day in, day out, professional golf coverage. And then you remember these weeks like, oh, this is it. This is what matters. This mm -hmm. is the stuff that matters. And I don't know. I had this like moment of clarity watching them play the 16th hole because, you know, luckily snuck onto a bleacher last minute. They have a, a little row reserved for media. And just had this like sensory overload walking up there and seeing the reaction, seeing the golfers walk up uh, towards the green and thinking like, all right, this is it right now. History is happening right here. John Rahm is really doing it. And Brooks Kepka, for as well as he played the first three days, just was a little bit off today. He didn't play that much worse than, you know, plenty of other guys in the field. I mean, there were some horrible scores like 
Jason Day was piling up double bogeys. He shot 80. A bunch of guys shot 78, 79. But just the way he was in control of the tournament and the way he seemed to just kind of let it slip away was a little disconcerting. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think if you really look, I mean, I read every single press conference that Brooks has given in the last 12 months today. Um, I was really trying to understand when this all started. Reading the tea leaves, right, of Brooks Kepka. And if you think about this sequence of events, he has surgery in March of 2021 on his left knee. And, um, or was it his right knee? I can't remember. But he is dealing with, uh, he's dealing with just the issues of his dislocated knee and everything that fell out from that. Spends 2021 in a really weird place, almost wins the Kiowa PGA, um, doesn't. 2022 Masters, his hip labrum flares up. He's dealing with issues from that. And he doesn't hit rock bottom, according to him and his team, until late July 2022. He'd missed the cut at St. Andrews, his favorite golf course in the world. He had zero top 50 finishes in the majors, these events he's dominated. He hits rock bottom, and he he basically talks to his, his physical therapist and says, I think I need to call Claude. He brings in Claude Harmon, who knows Brooks's swing better than anyone else on the planet, Brooks maybe himself included, and they start working together. By the end of October, Claude tells me it's starting to look like 2019 all over again, which is, you know, one of the Brooks Kepka's best years of his life. Um, but then he doesn't get to play any golf. <laughs> like live means you're not playing on the PGA Tour. You're not playing anywhere else. You have a month a uh, three-month off season and i was told by someone in kepka's camp this week a three-month off season is great until you have it <laughs> then you got to deal with it then you got to stay sharp in your own different way brooks has never been a man to stay sharp away from major championships so what does he do comes back and he plays the saudi international he goes to oman because he's trying to rack up as many competitive rounds as he can get before augusta he thought he would have 17 he ended up having 15 because he missed the cut in Oman. He shot 74, 78. And so Brooks Kepka's running out of reps as he's trying to get ready for the Masters. Eventually, he wins Live Orlando, and it's all making sense. But I think he was like, if you looked at his pressers this week, he's still not declaring, I'm back. He's still not saying, like, I've peaked. He's still acting like he is on the ascent. And so... My takeaway from his week is that he is still on the ascent. He's not at 100% skill level right now. He might be at 100% health, but he might be at like the 80% mark of dialing things in. So if that type of Brooks Kepka can damn near win the Masters, I think it's not just a good week, but a great week. He immediately has to be a favorite for the PGA Championship, for right? Every major. How, how many people? How many people are you putting ahead of Brooks at that major? Yeah, at the major. Ahead if you're setting the odds, how many? Where does Brooks fall? Third. Third behind Rahm and Scheffler. Wow, ahead of Rory. Yeah, I mean total recency bias. Ahead of Phil Mickelson. <laughs> yes, Phil Mickelson, our next fantastic, our next week. guest. Fantastic week. Another weird week, right? He was a mute at the champions dinner, according to reports. Basically didn't say anything. He was 
his typically now reserved self when it comes to his press conferences, speaking about gratitude. He's just happy to be here. This is such a special place. So glad that they had us, us live players. Um, and he started very quietly. Shoots under par in the first round. Shoots under par in the second round. And we're like, wait, we're going to have to start taking this dude seriously. Is he going to actually contend is he gonna finish in the top 10 that's cute oh phil's back up on the leaderboard he says on friday afternoon i'm about to go on a tear and we're like <laughs> you and i literally laughed about that friday night i was yeah. like did you see what phil said are you kidding me about to go on a tear you know what he said he's he's been turning 65s or 66s into 71s and then guess what he shut 65 on sunday <laughs> 65 scoring average was well over par i mean <sighs> Everyone lost their minds when Rory shot 64 at last year's Masters. This was yeah, a pretty similar performance, honestly, to finish second. It's not something I think will be properly appreciated or understood in the same way Phil's Kiowa win took a while for us to appreciate and understand it um, because he ended up sucking the rest of that year, did not make the Ryder Cup team in a year in which he won the major. And we all looked back on it. Five months later, we're like, damn, that was nuts. I think Phil Mickelson finishing second place behind truly maybe the best golfer on the planet at the Masters, at the year's first major, will only appreciate with time. Um, it jumped him into the top 100 in the, in the world golf ranking. Like, we weren't expecting that. Yes, up from outside the outside the top 400 to 72nd, I think. So, Phil, I mean, that's a massive, massive jump. You ready? Yeah. For next, Tiger Woods. Bad week. Bad week. Bad week for Tiger. And look, I'm sure he had a good week. I'm sure he enjoyed going back to this special place, doing the champions dinner, not having to deal with the you know a storm of touchy live questions. You I'm know. sure it was nice not hosting a tournament too, because the, the it seems yeah. like the last few he's been like running. He's been the owner operator of the. Yeah events he's been playing in and like ultimately he knew his body was not in the place he wanted it to be he said his golf game was it is better than it was last year but his body is more run down because he's been pushing it trying to get ready and i think he's just learning there's a ceiling on it I, I all right wrote, yeah wait hold on let's let's zero in on that because that is the crux of the whole deal right there right you've just identified it this is not like linear recovery. This is not no. necessarily progress. That's what I think we were all hoping for. That's the way most injuries work. Over time, you get better. When he says in his press conference this week, yeah, I basically says, yeah, I feel actually worse than I did last year. Worse than he did last year. <laughs> last year, he was like a year removed from this horrific car crash. We figured everything... You figured that was as bad as it was going to get mm -hmm. and it would just get better from there. So he said, yeah, look, my game is better, but my body is basically less cooperative. That, that freaks me out as someone that likes to watch Tiger Woods play competitive golf and knowing that he likes to play competitive golf a lot too. Yeah. I wrote about it on Thursday, uh, walked with him a decent bit and I just, the analogy I used was that he has, through his accident, he has affixed himself to a short leash. He has no f f uh, freedom to roam. When he has a round like he had Thursday and finishes uh, with a bogey and shoots 74 and he's not happy, he cannot go to the range and figure it out. 
he just doesn't have any more stamina in his body, especially his lower body, to get it done at 47 years old after all he's put himself through. And so he has a short leash. He cannot grind uh, on short game s- sessions. You know, his putting warm-ups are often intermixed with stretching. Like, he he is 47, but he sure looks like he's 57 at times, and he looked even older than that when he was limping off the course on Saturday. Eventually, WDs, like, if you're learning that, then – um welcome to welcome, <laughs> welcome. To the drop zone <laughs> um <laughs> glad to have you here which felt uh like a protective measure it sounded like his plantar fasciitis had bubbled up again in a way he thought he had gotten past and he was looking down the the belly of uh 30 holes of golf essentially wasn't gonna happen all right let me just give you the very quick rosy version of this tiger woods weekend basically it's amazing he made the cut Continued his master's streak of made cuts. That was impressive. He didn't do it by much. Needed some help. And also, we shouldn't forget just how good he looked for a couple rounds at the Genesis. Like, there actually is plenty of good golf in this guy. And this week was essentially tailor-made to be as bad as possible for his body. Limited sleep, early mornings, super cold, wet, like, horrible course to walk. So... Yes, I recognize that he needs probably basically perfect conditions for yeah. to make it through a full week right now. But, you know, this was kind of worst case scenario in a lot of ways. Yeah, it just you're right. It did not go his way. He got unlucky. It just worries me that this is the new normal that he's not going to get lucky that Rochester's going to yeah. be even worse weather conditions potentially. Look, if it looks <laughs> a lot like last year's masters, it looks a lot like last year's PGA championship. It looks, you know, somewhat like this year's Genesis. Like he yeah. played well enough for two days to make the weekend and then just didn't have anything left. But all right. My question for you, Sean over under 0.5 holes that Tiger Woods plays in Rochester, New York this year. <laughs> will we see tiger at the pga yeah yeah i think so i think today was the beginning of that journey for better or for worse just saying no i ain't got 27 29 holes in me i feel really annoyed that after tiger's second round he did three questions of media and i was ready to ask him tiger what's the most holes you've played in a single day since your car accident and that ended up being the fourth question that was allowed to go to Tiger Woods, which just meant I got cut off before I could ask You asked it. half of your question into the air. Yep. And so we don't know uh, like if Tiger's even capable of playing 20 holes of golf in a day uh, or if he's capable of playing 24. Well, I think he's probably <laughs> capable of playing a lot of holes of golf from a golf cart, which <laughs> I think is probably how he plays almost all of his golf, except in ramping up for events like this. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the under. I don't think we're going to see Tiger at Oak Hill. And that's okay, right? Makes, uh, I mean, yeah. Sad. If if he could, if he could flip what he did last year, that seems like it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Go play the U.S. Open. Skip going to upstate New York in May, where who knows? It could we could get snow flurries. <laughs> um, hard to say. Tiger Woods mixed week, but I'm with you. Bad week because it just didn't seem like it gave us good news for the future. No. But yeah, all these calls for Tiger to stop playing. Tiger, play whatever golf tournaments you want. He you wants to play. Obviously, have earned that right. 
Scotty Scheffler, good week, bad week? Uh, I'll say bad week. Great in the sense that he got to be the defending champ. And I'm sure that that brought a lot of fun to his life. He seemed to have a lot of fun with the Burns family and Tom Kim during the part three contest. But he has to be punching walls, kicking himself because he can't putt. He is he was number one tee to green for a large part of the week and last uh, in strokes gained putting for also a big part of the week of those who made the cut. And um, that sucks. <laughs> Justin Thomas has been there. Colin Morikawa has been there. Adam Scott has been there. These guys who we kind of think maybe should or at one point will have uh, deserved more majors than they end up getting. Scotty Scheffler, you don't want to get into that world where you're putting lets you down in a crippling way yeah i think it has to be bad even though he probably finished pretty high on the leaderboard yeah he finished t10 for a moment there on sunday he was i think within four he got to six under the leaders were at 10 under and it was like wait a minute how is this happening this dude cannot buy a putt this week but then they kept going back to him and he kept having uh you know we were both inside at this point and watching some of the front nine on the broadcast he kept having like six footers for birdie. It's like this guy again, he just missed one of these. And then he would make one and he'd make another, miss a couple. Scotty Scheffler, yeah, I mean, finished top 10 in his title defense. I think that it's good. I'm on paper, on it's good, but curve. yeah, we have really high expectations for this guy. Um, so clearly not the week he quite wanted. Rory McIlroy. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. bad. I'll let I'll cede my time to you, Dylan. Why don't you get some thoughts off your chest? <sighs> it was it was tough, man. <laughs> this was tough to watch. Because I don't even know what to say the worst part about it was, but one of the worst parts about it was the guy got the good end of the draw. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't I mean, Justin Thomas, I feel for. Six bogeys in the muck coming home. Yeah. Like hitting three wood as your second shot into number 18, needing a par to make the cut. That's one thing. Rory had the good stuff. He wasn't playing with Bennett, but he was playing like a group behind Mm -hmm. Bennett and getting bundled by him. I mean, (laughs) it's, it, it doesn't, well, I shouldn't say it doesn't make sense, but I just can't figure it out. Rory, Clearly yeah. has the game. I know Brandel went into uh, depth on maybe why Augusta is not the perfect fit for Rory the other day, but That's there are revisionist history. There are enough things any. that there are enough things that set up well for Rory that yeah. this should have been a good week. It looked like his his touch around the greens and his wedges seemed like they were just dooming him, and then he missed a lot of putts, including a putt that could have helped him make the cut. Uh, he just sort of missed like a three footer on 16. Yeah. And then who knows? He could have, you know, salvaged his week on the weekend with a couple good rounds, but instead just, I mean, disappointing and, and kind of nonsensical. Nonsensical in the, in, in the sense that a week ago we said, I believe I asked you, you can have Rom, Scheffler or Rory. Maybe you asked me. I went with Rom for the record. You went with Rory, for the record. And 
the bottom line is if you are one of the top three, one of the big three, one of the people that are literally getting asked, is there a big three? How does it feel to be a part of it in his presser this week? That means you make the cut at the Masters and you do what Scheffler did. Yeah. And you don't play great. You don't putt well, and you still finish T10 because you're one of the best <laughs> players in the world. Rory, you are one of the best players in the world. You're playing well in the last 12 months. You finish top 20 at the Masters because you just do. I think that's well said. Yeah, I mean, the the floor here was just certainly lower than I expected. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, Rory, we, f- we feel for you. I mean, coming into the week, it was it was like win or bust. Rory and then he didn't make the weekend yeah I don't, I don't know we gotta figure something else out you gotta figure something else out Max Homa I'll also cede the floor to you for this one disappointing <laughs> bad week actually though the partly the reason I put him on here was to illustrate a point which is it felt like Sunday was so topsy-turvy that guys completely flipped whether they were having good, good weeks, weeks or bad weeks yeah. unfortunately Max Homa uh turned turned to negative town started the final round at even par shot six over 78 so he finished six over for the tournament which was tied 43rd this is supposed to be the year this is the year for max homa and majors again another guy that has been playing elite golf and just for whatever reason didn't quite do it didn't do it this week didn't contend didn't really hit the ball that well off the tee which is weird didn't you know lost strokes in all major categories yeah it's a show me it moment for max now in the majors yeah and i think it will be fifth ranked player in the world this week it will be a show me situation at the pga i still i mean i would relish a chance to buy low on max home at the u.s open because too late the California situation. If this gives us an opportunity to snap up some Max Homa U.S. Open stock, that would be great. But you're, you're a buyer. I'd be a buyer. I mean, if Max Homa shoots four under, it's a big if. But obviously, it was out there. You know, he's finishing the top ten. Yeah, and yep. it's a it's a feels like a successful week. And yep, the game within the game. That's the difference. Live, live golf. Liv had a great week. I think I think people will will want to dunk on Liv for various reasons. Um, Kevin Na was the first player to leave the tournament because he withdrew. Couldn't stomach anything more than the nine holes that he played. They also had Louis Oosthuizen withdraw after 35 holes. Couldn't come back and finish uh, the cut that he was going to miss. Liv didn't have a winner. Liv had Brooks Kepka kind of lose gas after 54 holes. Like, all those jokes can be made. And Liv eventually was the storyline that people forgot about part of the week. They kind of wanted to downplay it. Um, but otherwise, this was 12 of the guys made the cut, which, as I understand, was them just kind of living up to expectations per data golf, which... You know, basically, this was their chance to prove it. Hey, we're we're still good. We're we, we're okay. Brooks Koepka said we're the same people, and there's our McDonald's. Oh, baby, bring it in here, Josh, with McFlurries. Where were we? Liv. You know who saved Liv's week? Not Brooks Koepka, because yes, 
him winning would have been a big, big deal for Liv. But it was two other guys. Phil. P. Reed. discussed. And P. Reed, who you pointed out last week was a worthwhile investment. And uh, hopefully people tailed you on that. Maybe tossed him in some top fives, top tens. Liv had three golfers in the top five. They had Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka T2, P. Reed T4. Yeah, and look, we've said it so many times on this. They've got fields of 48, and 20 of them are good. Yes, you will not hear, you you will not have heard us saying, oh, <laughs> it's almost like just a fake media thing. It's like people are saying that the media are saying that these guys can't compete. I'm not sure how many people are actually saying that. We are certainly not saying that they don't have the depths of field, but they certainly have guys that can compete at the Masters. They have a lot of Masters champions. Mm -hmm. One interesting wrinkle is that, I mean, if Brooks Koepka had won this thing, if you think about that champions dinner, it is very live heavy. And obviously, it's only a two-person swing that now Rom will be there instead of Kepka. But it that feels like a significant trade-off. Yeah, but they they have twenty really solid, good golfers, and some of them are great golfers at that uh, that tour. And that just means eighteen of them come over this week. Some of them, on average, should play well, and they lived up to that billing. And so I think it's a good week. There was no uh, ability to look at that leaderboard and then scroll and scroll. I'm like, where's the best live guy? That was a storyline that we wanted to pay attention to. Well, you don't have to scroll very far <laughs> to find the first, second, or third. That's a big deal because Dustin Johnson didn't play well. Cam Smith didn't play well. Some of the big horses, Bryson, bombed out and missed the cut. Like, They did back it up in some ways while not everyone performed great. Um, yeah. So. Three guys in the top 15 for live, uh, but they were all – really right up there maybe yeah it looks like four guys in the top 25 yeah they made it count the pga tour i was gonna say but i'm not sure we even need to do that one specifically i mean i think the pga tour had a fine week they were probably very happy to have john rom win <laughs> yeah the i saw jay monahan walking around out there today and i was just curious what he was thinking about it's just he wakes up and brooks Kepka's up by four and he has a good relationship with brooks at least he did. Might not quite anymore. Went to his went wedding? To his, went to his wedding right before, right before Brooks peaced out and went to live. Yikes. Um, but I just was trying to put myself in his shoes or his socks as he woke up, unless he's a no-socks-bed kind of guy, and uh, just understood like what he was thinking about all day long. And I found him towards the end of the day, and John Rahm was going to win the, was gonna win the Masters. And I just – I imagine – Deep inside, he was uh, much happier than he could have been otherwise. For sure. A more interesting wrinkle to a similar question. The U.S. Ryder Cup team, how was their week? Probably not that great. If you think about John Rahm proving that, yeah, for every Scotty Scheffler you got, I'm here. And that Rory guy, you know, he may not have played well this week. He's going to be there in September. Um the U.S. Ryder Cup team is stiff-arming both guys in T2, being Brooks and mm-hmm. Phil, unless things change and we would like to put them on the team. Patrick Reed, a.k.a. Captain America for so long, he plays well. He's not on that team. It's too early to care, Dylan, but 
you know, yeah, these storylines matter at some point. I wanted to emphasize that basically what you just said, which is, okay, who are the top American finishers here? Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka tied for first mm-hmm. Americans. Then you have Patrick Reed, Russell Henley. Is he going to be on the Ryder Cup team? Maybe. Jordan Spieth. No. And then you get into, you know, your Cam Youngs, your Sahits, your, and then, I mean, just an all-time sort of Wikipedia top 10 situation for Scotty, Fitz, Xander, and Morikawa, who tied for 10th, all four of them. Um, so, shout out to those guys. They definitely played good golf, but were never quite mm-hmm. there, there. Sean, just two more for me. Okay. Sean Zock. Uh, I had a I had a really good week. I felt like I didn't really cover the birdies and bogeys until Sunday came around. Um, my website coverage for golf.com extended to writing about the cottage in the trees at Amen Corner, uh, the massive trees falling across the 17th hole on Friday, covering the absurd difficulty of rain at Augusta National and what that does. And then finally today, I actually got to dive into the golf that was played. Um, so it was kind of a fun week. It was my seventh Masters. I did not win the media lottery, but I got to um, tell the person who won it, you know, that they won it. So Shout out to Darren, our photographer, who is, well, photographer doesn't even really cover it. But this week, he was our photographer. He's going to do battle tomorrow morning. Last person, Sean, that's me, Dylan. I had a great week. I would like to add one, so once you're done. Oh, all right. Well, I'll go first. I would say the highlight of my week was uh, watching down the stretch today. It was just good to be out among the people watching the action down the back nine. It's just cool. I mean, it's a it's a definitely an experience that we are. What does it look like? What's it feel like? What's it smell well, like? Well, it feels. Some people. It feels chaotic because you're trying to keep track of everything else that's going on. You're trying to interpret roars. And it's actually easier than you might think to interpret roars because you know where the holes are. Uh, You can kind of guess based on how excited someone is, how good the shot was, and who hit it. Um, So that's kind of fun. And, you know, we don't have inside the ropes access at the Masters. So we're out with the people. Um, everyone's talking, everyone's looking at scoreboards, waiting for numbers to change. It was muddy and in parts pretty stinky, but other parts were doing quite well. But yeah, there were some high traffic areas that were very muddy. We saw Mm -hmm. some day ending, maybe not day ending, but even worse, like day ruining slips and falls in the mud. People dressed in their Sunday best and then suddenly gone to mud town. I've never seen Augusta National look as muddy as it did in certain spots. And that will bring up the thing that I wanted. I, I wanted to know if it was a good or bad week for Augusta National. Oh. I think not good week. Okay, not good week, but holy, holy hell. It could have been. <laughs> I'm, I am remain spooked by this. I wrote a little bit about Me this too. yesterday. But if the more videos you watch of these trees that fell down on Friday afternoon, it is miraculous that nobody was bonked by any of these things yeah that's a nice uh it's a nice way of describing it 
bonked would not do it justice if anyone was like if you i think i asked you this earlier if i asked you we're sitting on the clubhouse veranda having a little azalea and i said dylan you need to go out there and you need to chop down two and a half 200 foot tall trees and you need to make them on friday afternoon full field is still in play you need to make them fall and not hit a single person. I don't think you'd be able to do it. That's how lucky this hit, this really was. Is like you can't do that. These trees are so big. You you it is insanely lucky how it happened and it's not worth like belaboring forever, but just I guess for the people listening along, I just saw the clips on social media and on television like these trees are absolutely massive. People are all over the entire property at all times. I talked to multiple people who heard, yeah, one guy basically had the trees fall around him. These two trees that fell in the same direction, very close to each other. He was in the middle, didn't get hit, just got scraped. Like, what? Yeah, that's <laughs> one of those situations. I mean, talk about not knowing how you would react unless you're there. Oh, Mm-hmm. How do you do under pressure when you have to decide yeah. whether to outrun a tree or not? Yeah. I mean, thank goodness that nothing worse happened. I, I, but yeah, I don't know enough about trees or their maintenance uh, to understand if this was malpractice by someone. I just, I do know that trees are good. We like trees and trees can grow very tall and eventually most trees fall over. So this is something that happens, but I'm really glad that it didn't result in anything worse than play being suspended for the day on Friday and uh, that we weren't standing there. No kidding. Uh, That's it. It's time for McDonald's. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't sound like we're too tired. It's coming up on, uh, well, it's after 1am now, Atlanta, uh, Georgia, Augusta time. Still 10 p.m. in Seattle. Shout out to the people back home. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading our stuff all Masters week. We'll have some more wrap-up stuff to come. We're actually off to uh, Hilton Head, Sean, because we've yeah. got a couple days to kill. Well, you'll be there all week. I'm off to my good friend Taylor's bachelor party, just capping off an outrageous stretch of life on the road, but it's an honor to share some of it with you, my good podcast people. Love you guys.